Blog Talk Radio. And good evening. My name is Ryan Miner, and you are listening to A Minor Detail on the Change Montgomery County Network. So I was pleased today uh, that finally we have some nice weather. Uh, we have been blessed with springtime weather, and that means in Maryland that tomorrow it will likely be negative 10. Um, so uh, it will be snowing probably by uh, noon tomorrow afternoon based upon the weather patterns. But nonetheless, uh, we are blessed to have the weather that we are. And I'm sure that if you're not listening to the show, and I hope that you are, uh, that you're out doing something outside and constructive, maybe sitting on a patio. Uh, I would sure like to be doing that. But instead, we are having this wonderful opportunity to talk tonight about the power of redemption and moving past mistakes. Um, just, I wanted to bring something to the audience's attention. Uh, exciting news today happened. Um, the president of Change Montgomery County has um, formed a oratory committee to run for uh, United States Congress. Uh, Frank Howard, who is the president of the organization that now hosts this show, and I wish Frank all the best moving forward, and I'm sure that uh, when Frank makes a decision, he will let us know. So talk to you, Frank, and we, we wish you uh, all the success. So tonight, we're going to go right into the show. We have a very important show that we're going to be talking about. It's called The title of the show, and I, I threw around a couple of different ideas, but it's called Moving Past Mistakes, The Power of Redemption. And the theme and narrative that I want to talk about tonight is making mistakes, but having the grace and understanding that we are sinners in the eyes of God, but we can bounce back because we are resilient and that no mistake is immune from God's love. So, and I'm going to talk later in the show a little bit about my own story, my narrative, and I screwed up, made mistakes that have been public, that have been embarrassing, that have been, that I am deeply regretful, that have cost me in my personal life, my professional life, and my private life. I've lost friends. People have shunned me. I've been in a dark place before. And you don't know how to crawl out of that hole sometimes. And you think about all the things that you aren't in life, and then you start to dwell, and it consumes you. Mistakes can consume you. But then you realize that there is hope at the end of every tunnel, that no darkness is complete without a glimmer of light. And so we're going to be talking tonight in a saloon format. I should mention that I have an audience. Um, I'm surrounded by some really great folks. We are in Gaithersburg, and I have with me, we'll talk later in the show, uh, with some great folks. And leading the discussion will be uh, Reverend Ben Wickner, who is of the Rockville Church. He's a Rockville Church planter, and I'm, he's probably nodding his head, and I'm going to mess up his title probably twice. But nonetheless, Ben's going to join us the latter half of the show, probably around 9.30. But tonight we have Fred Chandler of the Montgomery County Welcome Home Program, which is gives uh, people who come out of jail uh, the reentry into society. Hopefully we'll have Delegate Brett Wilson and Senator uh, Jim Raskin and of Montgomery County. 
And we're going to be hopefully talking to around 910, uh, DeMonte Brown, who was quoted yesterday in the Baltimore Sun. So I want to go right into it. Um, I do have a caller on the line and to soon figure that out. Hi, is this Fred? Hello, caller. Hello, caller. Is that you? Okay, somebody is on the line <laughs> that may have called in. I am not sure, but uh, I don't know. We'll keep them live. So anyway, the power of redemption. We've made mistakes in life, but after those mistakes, which can cost us professionally, how do we reintegrate? How do we get off our feet? How do we get started again? What do we do? And I'm hoping that Fred Chandler is joining me. Is that you, Fred? Yes, that's me. Hey, Fred, thanks for joining the show. And no I was reading I was reading an article, uh, and it was dated July 15th, and the title, it was on WJLA, and it said, Montgomery County considers ban the box law to help ex-cons find work. And Fred run the Welcome Home program at Montgomery County's pre-release center, and which helps prisoners with reentry into society. And you help connect mentors with former prisoners, and you say that that is the key to reducing recidivism. So, Fred, welcome to the show. Tonight is all about redemption, and I'd love for you to talk about your job and your career and what you do to bring new life to people who are getting over a mistake. All right. Well, we'll work it backwards. Uh, currently, my job, as you mentioned, I am the reentry coordinator for the Welcome Home Reentry Program. I've been doing that for about a year. As, as a matter of fact, my anniversary date for that particular position was yesterday. Um, and what we do, the program is under the auspices of Catholic Charities. We re- recruit people from the community to assign themselves or for us to assign them as right. mentors to individuals who are incarcerated at the pre-release center. And our request from that mentor and that mentee is that that relationship exists for a year. So the people who are at the pre-release center are usually there towards the end of their sentence, somewhere between one and six months. And we connect them with this mentor that will work with them while they're winding down their sentence there at the pre-release center and then work with them post-release in order to help them stay on track be that confidant, be that coach, be that person that kind of uh, assists them in their reentry process. So the program has been extremely successful. It's been functioning for 30 some odd years uh, under a different under some different names, uh, but currently that's how it operates. And it operates in all of the jurisdictions that are under the auspices of the Archdiocese of Washington. Uh, so there's a coordinator in Southern Maryland. There's a coordinator in Prince George's County, another one in D.C., uh, and I, of course, am in Montgomery County. Well, Prior Fred, I, that, I'm sorry. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Please continue. No. Okay. Prior to that, I spent about six years at as a coordinator for a program entitled the Rebound Program, which was also charged with helping people who are returning citizens uh, to find work and to find other resources in Montgomery County uh, as they embark upon their reentry. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I've, I've made this pretty much my life's work at this particular point. You don't want to hear the boring life history of all of my other many careers that I've had, but um, th- this work is extremely valuable. 
Um, I, I it's extremely rewarding as I see people actually ch- change their lives and turn their lives around and get off of the merry-go-round of going in and out of prison. And I, I think that's what I'm somewhat uh, ordained to do. And Fred, that's the whole that's the whole mission of this organization, the reentry program, in that you're giving these men and women, you're putting them on a track of integrating back into uh, Montgomery County after they have made a, a mistake, unifying and, and reunifying their community with family, um, finding a um, a job, finding gainful employment, and to become active citizens. And that is, you know, that, that is the single biggest piece of public policy that we can all hope for and hope to accomplish is that when people make a mistake and they take accountability, accountability mm-hmm. that you breathe new hope into them. So many different people. I can imagine, and and I and I hope that I hope that I'm on you know the right pace here. I can imagine that there's many men and women who, after they they come out of prison, that they are at a loss for hope of where to go, of what to do, and how to be reintegrated into society. See, you feel that is that a, is that a part of what you do? That that's a major part of what I do, and you know the the incarceration experience can be quite dehumanizing to a lot of people because there's someone else that tells you uh, everything uh, or, or gives you the right to do everything that you have to do, even in your own basic bodily functions. Uh, those things are directed by someone else, and so being released from prison and coming out, you have to restructure your entire mind, and you have to have people who encourage you towards that end. Um, the people who are charged with keeping you incarcerated, that's not their job. The, the cor- correctional officers at the facility, they're there to keep order. They're not there very much to co- to encourage or coach people or help people change their lives and get back on the right track. There are there are some that do, but they're usually operating outside of the uh, of their job description, I might say. So well, I want to ask you a question about getting back into society. Uh, part of that is the the legislation that was put forth. Um, it's called ban the box legislation, and that was where I I first learned of your organization. And Montgomery County, uh, they passed a, uh, a a law at the the council level. Um, and what ban the box legislation does is prevent employers from asking about criminal history prior to an interview. Is that something that you support and could you walk us a little bit through that policy sure um i do i support it i don't think it's an end-all and be-all and i think some people are uh, misled into thinking that that is a major hurdle that that uh, or, or a major issue that allows people who are returning citizens to to overcome and now all of a sudden they'll be hired in jobs that's not the case at all what that legislation has done is disallow employers from asking that question at the outset of uh, someone applying for a job and thereby allowing them to to uh, eliminate them and and refuse to hire them uh, before really seeing if they're suitable for a position right so they are still permitted uh, under the band of box legislation they're still permitted to ask you about a criminal record and they most often will, but it just can't be at the outset of the process. So, if, you're forced, if you're if you're listening in now, we are uh, live on a minor detail, and I am talking with Fred Chandler of Montgomery County's Welcome Home. And Fred is the reentry uh, 
You are the reentry coordinator. And Fred, yesterday I read an article in the Baltimore Sun written by Michael Dress, reporter for the Sun, and he was talking about a piece of legislation in the General Assembly to help ex-offenders overcome their past. And I, I it was a very compelling, and it really touched me in a way because. This is so important to uh, what changed Montgomery County. We're trying to find solutions uh, to help people in, in these circumstances and to present a policy alternative. So I, I want to bring in our next guest, and I'm assuming that my next guest is on the line. DeMonte, is that you, Ms. Brown? Yeah, I'm in Vegas. I'm on the line. Okay. Hey, thanks for joining us. We got in touch yesterday, and I apologize for butchering your name. I, I, I'm, I'm it's terrible. It's okay. With everyone names. does. I'm okay. So, <laughs> I, I want you. I, I'm on, and and I want to say that we're on the line with uh, Fred Chandler from Montgomery County. And so, I, I listened to your, I read your story, and you're quoted yesterday or two days ago in the Baltimore Sun, and you told delegates that one idiotic act in 2008 led to a drug possession charge and a probation before a judge. The article goes on to say, the PBJ followed you around for years, preventing you from getting a job or volunteering in the Baltimore school system, despite your master's degree in secondary education. And you said the best that you could do was work the midnight shift at a warehouse store for nine fifty an hour, and you wound up applying for food stamps uh, and for energy assistance. And, you, and you're quoted, and this is where... It really struck me where it made me step back, and you said, my punishment became a burden on the community and a burden on the taxpayer. That was, that was compelling. So could you tell me your story, tell the audience your story, and what you hope to accomplish? And I should mention that you were part of an organization called Out for Justice. So the floor is yours. Okay, thanks, Ryan. I uh, was I was charged with a CDS possession charge, unfortunately, and like I tell everyone, I, I am accountable for my actions, and I you know I don't fault uh, the the police department or anybody for um, holding me accountable for breaking the law. Uh, however, what I realized was that that, that was something that totally changed. Me. And, and awaken me to an unjust system. Uh, when I when I received the charge, which was a CDS possession charge, I was charged for having uh, about two grams of marijuana on me. Um, when I received it, I was already working, and I was in my master's degree program because I figured I wanted to uh, get more education because I wanted to go into the school system. And so... At the time that I received the charge, it didn't really uh, hinder anything at the time because I was working. However, part is when I decided to better myself, that initial uh, employment to continue my education and to uh, do my internship for my master's degree. I want to say that your story is – it's many people. It, your story is about a hundred thousand other people in this country. No, and in the Baltimore Sun article, uh, Delegate Brett Will, Washington County, a friend of mine, and somebody who now sits on the Judiciary Committee, he's he's joining us. Brett, is that you? Is that is that you calling in? Yes, this is me, Ryan. Hey, Delegate Wilson, um, 
who is probably chugging away down in Annapolis on behalf of the people of Maryland. Appreciate you joining us uh, this evening. And uh, Delegate Wilson, uh, you uh, were quoted yesterday uh, about restorative justice. It's a movement in uh, in Maryland, and you said you're a you're a prosecutor up in Washington County. And I was just wondering if you could talk about some of the bills the Maryland General Assembly now that is making it easier for people. Uh, to transition uh, back into society and uh, to to help them get back on their feet and wouldn't give them such hardships. Yeah, and, and I'll do the best I can. It's a new concept to me that I really only started hearing about back in the, uh, the campaign trail, in all honesty, back in Hagerstown, uh, from some of the groups out there that have been founded by uh, ex-inmates uh, trying to help out new ex-inmates and the transition period back into stable housing, stable lifestyle, and then, of course, ultimately, hopefully, employment so that they can support themselves also. Uh, but it does go, what I've found is that goes much beyond that. It actually begins inside the prison systems. When someone gets in there, there are bills pending right now that would help with the classification of persons inside, give them more opportunities to grow instead of to they fall further into uh, an attitude of crime and that they will be more prepared to transition out. Now, the transition period itself is something that is part of the restorative justice program, specifically through a mediation program that when a person starts getting close to their exit time from incarceration uh, several months beforehand, they can opt into a program where they or the person and also his or her system on the outside and enter into a mutual mediation program to start getting everyone kind of lined up and on the same page so it's not just a, a shock to the system when the person comes out and suddenly is back in a home uh, and you know, he's got one experience for the last several years, they've got another, and all of a sudden they have to try and work it out together. The mediation Delegate program Wilson. tries to break down this bitches. Yeah. Yeah, Delegate Wilson, uh, on the line I have Ms. Brown who was – quoted yesterday in the Baltimore Sun, and she was, uh, before you were brought onto the show, she was talking about her story. And I also have the privilege of having Fred Chandler, who is the reentry coordinator at the Montgomery County, Maryland. It's a, uh, at a pre-release center. And Delegate Wilson, have you worked uh, with uh, folks like Fred uh, in, a, in a pre-release center where they reacclimate people who have uh, just been released from prison back into society? And Fred and Delegate Wilson and Ms. Brown, please feel free – Jump in the conversation. Uh, this is not a just a saloon format, and we're just having a discussion. So, if you want to answer that, or Fred, if you guys just want to talk, um, please. Sure. And, and, yeah, and Ryan. First, I, I can answer that very quickly. Uh, no, I have not yet worked for someone like Fred who uh, who has a pre or a release program. Just because we don't have one in Washington County, I don't know that there are many uh, around the state. I've worked with people who. Uh, you have halfway houses, but that's a whole different kettle of fish. So I'd, I'd be glad to hear from Fred and what, what his program offers. Yeah, Fred, sure. you want to take well, this? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, certainly, Montgomery County is at the cutting edge of pre-release kinds of policy. And we, there are people who have come there, there uh, to uh, kind of learn from Montgomery County, people from around the world. They are always visitors from Saudi Arabia, Korea, you name it. Um and the pre-release process there is a pretty innovative one. And the the, the gentleman who is the, the chief of that facility is always open to new ideas and new ways of thinking. And there are a number of things that have transpired there over the last uh, few years 
that have really kind of advanced the cause of people who are being uh, who are reentering. Uh, one of the things that I was involved with this when I was at Montgomery Works is we were able to get the federal government to give us a grant for a nice little bit, bit of money uh, to create a computer lab there at the pre-release center, which then allows people who are there to effectively look for work. And uh, they are work release coordinators and lots of different kinds of people who are there who are, can coach people on how to go about effectively looking for a job 2015 style. And, you know, we do the whole nine yards. We help people with developing their resumes and interview, uh, mock interview sessions and, and the like. But um, it, but what it has shed light on is the fact that there needs to be an, a, a, an integrative process between a number of different kind of entities in order to make reentry, first of all, to advocate for reentry to be uh, to have the priority that it deserves, and for it to be effective. So we've been able to do a number of things connecting with the community college here at Montgomery College and um, nonprofits such as Montgomery Works and Catholic Charities and, and the Department of Corrections. And these are the kinds of things that are, are really, really important. I was surprised. I'm actually a resident of Prince George's County, and I was surprised okay. about the political will of Montgomery County to embark upon these kinds of things. Well, and I want to bring in I want to bring in uh, Ms. Brown, who was quoted um, by the Baltimore Sun. And you know, your story. I read it, and it really, really touched me. I mean, because I look, I, I made mistakes in my own life. During the show, we'll I'll talk about that and. Um, you know, I want to talk about what are your struggles? I mean, I want to hear what what are some of the things that, because of your past indiscretion, what have you faced? What have you personally been through, and how how did how did you get on your feet? Well, one of the biggest things that I struggled with with was the fact that um, there are these great centers, and um, but one of the things that uh, people overlook is that there are people that commit crime that aren't lacking um, skills, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and so there was nothing for me. There was not, there was no agency or organization that was, that catered to someone that was educated and someone that, you know, had the, had computer literacy skills and all of those things to reintegrate because everyone assumes that, oh, you just have a probation before judgment oh, you just have one charge, it's not that big of a deal. Everyone assumes that employers only look at convictions or, or harsh crimes. And But my crime was a petty crime, and, and it, it was a probation before judgment. It was a non-conviction, and that that was a barrier to me even getting an interview for, for a job. Delegate Wilson, um, as, a, as a prosecutor and someone who uh, knows the court system inside and out, um, Probation before judgment, are these types of um, non-convictions or nonetheless, uh, what's the fallout from that? Can Does that uh, inevitably affect in the long term with and, and job opportunities? And, you know, can it really, is, is there a real poverty question beneath the surface? Sure. And, and one thing, remember, that once our case search online system went in, it meant that no longer did someone have to go to the courthouse to look for a person's record. All they'd do is click a button, and they have the entire uh, the entire uh, record, history, civil and criminal, right there at the uh, on the screen. So that kind of brought this issue really to the forefront, where employers could simply just click a button and look and find out everything about a person. In the law currently, we do have an expungement process for probations before judgment. 
there's a certain time period you have to wait, like three years beyond the ending of the probation itself. Uh, there, there's limitations, though. If you, there's a reoffense or something, then you can lose your eligibility for, for expungement. And that's really what some of the restorative justice programs on the tail end uh, are about. They're about trying to clean up a minor record so that it doesn't hinder a person going forward after they've demonstrated that you know, really are on the right track but need need that little bit of shielding so that uh, someone will give them a break. Right. Might right. I interject in a, a couple of tidbits? Um, the, there's in Maryland, there's equal access, and everyone has access to criminal records. It's very easy to go and click a button and find that, and that's not the case in most states in the country. But the mm-hmm. downside is very uninformed people can go and look at a criminal record. And by, by uninformed, I mean they don't really know what they're reading. So in the case of Ms. Brown's um, situation, when an employer, employer goes and does a background check, what they're going to see, they're going to see a verdict of guilty, and then they're going to see a sentence of probation before judgment. So to the person that is not a legal mind, they don't know the difference. They see this young lady as being guilty of committing a crime, and they stop right there. They don't know the differentiation between probation before judgment or anything else. Ms. Brown, can you speak to that? It's the same burden. He's absolutely he's absolutely right. People are are not educated uh, in in criminal justice to understand what dispositions are and what and, and what they mean. And uh, unfortunately, that's why that's why we that's why we want the laws that we are suggesting, like the Maryland Second Chance Act, because it's it's really really difficult to change the mindset of people and right now the mindset of people is that if you have a criminal record you are a bad person and they don't want you to be in the in the presence of other people unfortunately that's the general sentiment and so while we're trying to change the mindset of people we need to put laws in place that protect people from being legally discriminated against because that's 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 what it is Essentially, it's legal discrimination. Ms. Brown, I, right. I, 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 and this for for Mr. Chandler and uh, Delegate Will, uh, there are many young people that have uh, that are beginning their lives. They're in their twenties or maybe their late teens, and um, not all people have the same upbringing. And some some young folks are exposed to uh, to more crime or or may be walking a path that. Um, is not a righteous path or not a path that is going to lead them in a positive direction, say, for education. And I, I just want you, you know, as someone who is an, uh, as a Maryland State delegate and someone who understands the court system, and Ms. Brown, what would you say to young people to say, hey, look, you don't go down this path. How how can you encourage people to to not, you know, how, how can you encourage them to stay on the path but if they do stray, I mean, what what would you say to them? Well, I, as an educator and someone that's ex- that, that's experienced it, what I tell my what I tell my students is, and I teach an eighteen to twenty four year old mostly black men, I tell them, look, we already know the system is set up is set up in a way that it it it's 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 hindering us from being successful. So stay out of it. If we already know these are the facts, this is what it is. Until we can change it, the best thing we can do right now is to stay out of it. 
you know. So we have, right. but at the same time, we have to expose our youth to other options because if they don't see any other options, how do they stay out of the system? Right. That's right. Right. Delegate Wilson. No, I, I think she's absolutely right. That uh, part of this goes back to the never-ending question of how do we keep at risk youth from from making that one bad choice that's going to haunt them for a long time. And I, I certainly don't know of any bill that's pending right now that has that answer because it's such a complex question. But on the back end, uh, the Second Chance Act, what it does is help to shield minor offenses uh, from the eyes of people on the outside, other than certain. Uh, certain agencies that may need to know it, like the state's attorney's office or whatnot, if there is a new new offense or something. So if you're doing right. well, you know, it's going to stay shielded so K-Search is no longer publicizing everything you've ever done in your life. And that's probably a good thing, and we're just waiting to see the bills as they come through the committee to see which one, uh, which one should come out and whether it's written uh, well enough. Well, you know, and I've noticed one uh, one characteristic of the movement to reintegrate people and, and preventative, almost like a preventative justice sort of theme, that this is bipartisan, that we're all working together to ensure that people stay out of the criminal justice system, but if they do, uh, that they are reacclimated uh, properly back into society, they can find jobs, uh, they can go on to have a, uh, a, a conducive relationship, a uh, a healthy relationship with people, friends, and the rest of the community that they can get back on their feet. And I think we're we're all uh, reaching toward that same goal. And, you know, I know that it, it, sometimes it takes a push. Uh, like you, Ms. Brown, your organization, um, I, I can only imagine how much good work that you have done. And you yourself are a mentor. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing something that is so deeply personal. And when I read your story uh, yesterday, it really touched me. It reached out to me because I know the struggles. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. And especially the worst is that, that gut-level feeling of judgment. And, and people that don't know you, and as a complete stranger, you say, you see what may be on paper or what's on the Maryland Judiciary uh, case search system, but you don't see me as a person. You don't see my heart. And I think we're all taking the step in the right direction uh, to, to help people out and to give people really what we want is a second chance. And I just want to also add that another thing that I also make sure that I that I tell the youth is that we need to get involved in the process. And I tell right. this to everyone because so often, unfortunately, we feel like we are disenfranchised by the political process and by the criminal justice system. And but we do have the opportunity to be uh, a voluntary a voluntary participant instead of an involuntary participant. And you know, we need to see the good part of the political process and the criminal justice system. And that means coming to hearings and being involved in the school board and voting and things like that so we can see the positive part and so that there is really a real representation of the people when it comes to criminal justice matters. That's so important. We're all part of the criminal justice system, and we really have to start realizing that. The people are returning from prison and returning from being on parole and probation and all those kinds of things to our communities. These are our people. It's not a matter of a population that's the other anymore. These are people right. who are in our families, our communities, uh, and you know, we have to 
take a different tact on this because there's, we locked up more people than all the rest of the world combined. So we have an awful lot of non-criminal-oriented people that have criminal records. And we have to realize that, and we have to assist people to getting back to their lives and being productive citizens. That bipartisanship that you spoke about a little bit earlier, Ryan, has come about because of because of a couple of things. Well, one thing, and it's it's about money. I mean, we want people to have opportunities because, and you know, those of us who call ourselves "quote unquote" progressive, because we want everybody to have an equal opportunity. But people who consider themselves conservative are tired of shelling out so much money, keeping people locked up. And it's a big boatload of money, let me tell you, because it's thirty-five to fifty thousand dollars a person to keep them locked up uh, per year. Well, you know, it's not a very productive use of our money because people are coming out sometimes, maybe with a bent more towards criminality than when they went in, um, and so yeah, and we're not we're not rehabilitating people very effectively while they're while they're being locked up, and so community corrections and things of that nature, we're all a part of that. And we have to assist people. Uh, I'm hoping if, if within your li- your listenership there are people who are hiring authorities and, and who own businesses, please consider hiring people that do have a record. If that record has no, no connection whatsoever with the type of work that you're hiring people for, there's no reason to discriminate against those and people it, for that. And I want to add that it takes just one conversation and one opportunity before an employer that if they get in front of someone and they can explain it. And, you know, if somebody asks you outright, you know, tell me about your mistake, my my best advice to, to those those folks is be honest, be upfront, and show genuine compassion and accountability and take responsibility, um, but also highlight your skills, highlight how you can help a company grow, and don't you know, it, 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 and it's tough because it's definitely an intimidating process, especially that that have a you know, a past record. But stand up, believe in yourself, and just keep chugging along. And if it doesn't happen the first time, there is other employers, and you just have to work just a little bit harder. But you can make it happen. And we are, you know, as a God fearing person, we accept all people. And I hope that the people who are listening this show, I hope this show. If it touches just one person, and we can change the mentality of just one person, maybe an employer out there who's listening, that give somebody a second chance and let them prove. Let them. It, it should be put on them that let let people who have made mistakes prove their worth and that they are not defined by a past mistake, but they are living in the present. That if they have truly changed their hearts, then they will be productive citizens. And I want to thank each of you for joining the show tonight. I certainly hope you or come back. You were fantastic guests, and I do plan to, to follow up with each of you um, after the show or tomorrow and uh, discuss this, and I'll give you a copy of the podcast. So, uh, gentlemen and ladies, joining our the show and, and sharing your stories. Thank you, Ron. Okay, thanks, everyone. Thanks. You bet. So, wow, what? Now that we got, we talked about policy, we talked about the more of the, the humanistic side of making a mistake, we talked about um, how people are working together to correct themselves, but more so judicially. I want to talk more about how we approach mistakes internally, how faith guides us, about how we, after a mistake, there's many, many internal struggles. People make mistakes, they fall into a depression. They can't get they have no hope, they have no they have fear that judgment will 
inhibit them, that it will surround them, that will guide them. Instead of where they may not have to have resources, they may not have people who who love them or they think that they don't love them, but do this. As someone who has made mistakes that are well public and documented, I have been in the dark place. I've been in that hole. And it sort of started back when I was in college. I've done some things that I'm not proud of. I've made some mistakes. And you think in the moment that it doesn't affect you in every way it does. It comes back. And it started with me when I was in college. I had a relationship. And the relationship didn't work. And we tried to make it work, and it just didn't because I was 20 years old. You don't know anything about life. I mean, you think you might, but do you really know about relationships? Do you really know about how love works? You think you're in love, but it it could be lust. It could be a a desire of the heart that is outside of, of, of what God intends us to do. And look, the goal of this show is not to be all preaching and righteousness because that is not my job. And we're, we're going to talk to some someone who lives faith daily, all of us, but brings faith into people's lives probably better than with this show. So back in college, um, I had a, a relationship that ended badly, and it ended up where I was in a court system. I was in handcuffs because of this mistake, and it resulted in an assault charge, harassment. And, you know, not to go into the explicit details, and I think that as I talk more in depth about who I am, I'll get into that hopefully in, in later opportunities. But it ended up a mistake that is now permanently inscribed into court histories, that is out in public, and it's not me at all. And it was a lack of clarity, a lack of judgment. It wasn't Ryan Minor that people know. It's not me. And it defined me. It took hold and it transpired. And that's how people grew to know me, that I was an angry, wife-beating, girlfriend-beating person. And just to even say that tonight, to confess that, it still hurts because it's not me. It's not who I am. So then I had that incident occur back in college, uh, 2006, seven. I, I think that was the date. And then let's fast forward. You know, I I, I was able to luckily find a, a, a job and employment, and but it wasn't easy because people knew it was, and they still question it. But let me tell you, it it, it, it gets harder as you get older, uh, because you start to understand who you are and what it means and what it means for every aspect of your life for relationships. And people define you that, and they throw the mud, and it hurts. And it truly, I mean, it hurts. It hurts. It burns to the core, to the soul. So I want to talk to you about another incident. I was, it was May 2013. I was at a Republican uh, Lincoln Day dinner down in Anne Arundel County. And boy, oh boy, sometimes these political dinners, they bring out the passion. They bring out the heat. And they bring out the booze. And my goodness, did I have a lot a lot to drink that night. One too many. One too many drinks that my judgment was impaired 
I got behind the wheel of a vehicle and put myself in harm's way and could have put other people in harm's way. A mistake that led me to Carroll County, Maryland, that I came – it was at the intersection of 140 and 31 or 32. I can't remember. Pardon me, my lapse of memory. Um, but I was going to make a, a left-hand turn, and there was a blinking, flashing light. And so I made a left-hand turn, and then I didn't stop completely. And then I saw the lights. And I remember that moment, being in the mirror, I, I had the, the, the rear view mirror at the top, and I looked, and I had tears running down my eyes because if I get really upset, sometimes I cry, and I'm not afraid as a man to say that. If I get really upset, and my better half, Kim, my spouse, she's sitting right across from me. There's like one time that I got so upset because it consumes me. I was standing in the middle of Lowe's back last November, and there was so much mud because I was in the middle of a campaign. And I just broke down, and I was it was weeping. I mean, I just said, I can't do this. And she grabbed hold of me, and she said, Ryan Miner, you are a man, and you better damn well act like it. So stand up, stop crying, and get yourself together. I love you. God loves you. Pick yourself up. It's all going to be better, I promise. And she hugged me and kissed me, and we went about our day at Lowe's. So anyway, I, I saw the lights flashing, and I knew that what was coming next, and it I got charged with a DUI. I think I blew a .08. We went through the litigation system. And then after that, there was some news articles that came out about what had happened. And I was at the time working for a political campaign. And you know that anytime something bad happens and you're working for a political campaign or you get in trouble with the law, the first thing you do is have to go away. And it's embarrassing because your name gets put into the newspaper. And then you, your name gets associated with a DUI. And then it means that people think that you're an alcoholic or a drunk, none of which that I am. I don't have an alcohol problem. I had a judgment problem. It was a decision problem. It was a not thinking of consequences problem. It was a, an ignorance problem. It was a not thinking of how I could have hurt other people problem. It goes back to not understanding the full weight and totality of your consequences. So when this happened, it was May 30th of 2013, and I remember after – you know, I, I got released that night, and I, I went back to a friend's house in Carroll County because that's my original goal was to get there and stay so I could sober up and go back to the house the next morning. So I remember when I got back to Hagerstown the next day to to go to work, I I just I, I sat down and I said, "This is really bad because there's going to be so many different people who find out about this." The first thing I said. How the heck am I going to tell my parents? How am I going to tell Kim? How am I going to tell kids? How am I going to tell the priest? We Catholics have confession, so, uh, you know, it's still a difficult thing. And then the public finds out. How are you going to tell everybody? What's people going to think of me? And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. You literally have to pick your life back up and jump out of the hole and figure out what's next. And I know there's a lot of people out there that have stories like mine, but you know my narrative has been largely defined by past indiscretions, and they don't get to know the real me. And that's the hard part, because you have to jump through hoops first. And people judge you. They don't give you an opportunity. And I can tell you, flat out honestly, 
Um, because of my past record, you know, I've applied for, let's say, side jobs. I remember a job in particular I applied for. It was just to, to make extra money over the holidays, J. Crew. And I had the job down. I mean, I killed the interviews, and we were ready to go. And I, I just I wanted to do something over the holidays because I was bored. I said, I looked at Ken, I said, I have to do something interesting. And so this was like what I wanted to do and sell clothes, plus you get the discount. And I am such a little prepster. And I love the J. Crew clothes, and everything came back until the letter I got, and it said, Dear Mr. Miner, I'm sorry at this time we're not hiring. Thank you very much, and I knew exactly what it meant. Folks, if you're listening to this show, my mistakes. You can avoid this. But if you do, and if you do have something in your past that burdens you, that harms you, that plagues you, that haunts you like me, where some days you feel like you can't even get out of bed, that it makes you sick to your stomach. There's hope at that end of the tunnel. And you got to find it. And you got to make it happen. And you got to want to change. You got to be a different person. You got to put it behind you and you got to put one step forward. I remember Daryl Royalson, an old football coach, he said, Don't look at the ground unless you had an accident. So pick it up. Shake it off, like Taylor Swift says, shake it off, and walk it off. So I want to talk a little bit about redemption tonight. And I I, I was really had an opportunity to hear uh, a biblical version of uh, what redemption is. Uh, this past Sunday, my, my friend Tom and John invited me to uh, Covenant Life Church down in, uh, out, just right outside of Gaithersburg, am I right? Is that Rockville, Gaithersburg area? Yeah, so... Um, we it was much different from a Catholic Mass, so we don't go in and go out and kneel and get up. Um, but for the first time in a long time, we got down on our knees and uh, we, we we praised the Lord for His mercy and we showed Him the grace that um, that He deserved. So um, I'm sitting here in a roundtable format, and it, and it's really cool because this is kind of the first time I'm doing this. And uh, this all came together uh, really uh, interestingly uh, and, and, and uniquely. So I want to introduce my, my guest and some other folks, um, Reverend Ben Wickner. Um, ben, uh, I want to – got to change the setting on this mic. And, like, I'm still figuring out how this all works. So, you know, like, okay. So now that my mic will pick up your voice better. So okay. can you introduce yourself and um, – Let's go right into it. Let's talk about redemption. Okay. Let's talk about the the healing power of Jesus Christ and that let's talk about his mercy. Excellent. Thank you, Ryan, uh, just for the opportunity to be here with you on your show. And uh, I, I love this subject. This subject is the heart and center of uh, what we believe and what we're about as Christians, as those who believe the Bible, who love what God has done uh, in and through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and so, and I love the fact, Ryan, that you use the word redemption for this show as versus you use the terminology of second chances and things like that. But, but you, whether you realize it or not, you use an incredibly biblical term, an incredibly rich term, redemption. It has such profound meaning, uh, not only on a spiritual level, but on a very human and a practical level. And so it's just exciting to be here. So let's. I want to talk about the nitty gritty of what redemption is. We talk. We use that word, and it and it has intrinsic meaning. And um, in the power of prayer and faith, and you know, I, I I don't want to make this 
I don't want to go overboard with the the righteousness because I want to make this a practical application of what happens after you make a mistake and how you do can how you can correct it and work through it and and understand that there is hope at the end of the tunnel. So let's talk practically here. So if you if someone came to you like me and they told you their story, like my story, and and they say, Ben, I'm struggling. I have a problem. What I, I'm on the wrong path. I want to get back up and move. I want to go back out into the workforce, or you know, I've I've done this, and as a result, maybe I've got laid off, or I've lost a friend and a family member. Me, what would you say? How would you encourage them? And how would you, uh, how would you encourage them that God is still with you? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I would say is um, there's not a single one of us who has not. Seriously, blown it in our lives at various times. Now, not all of us get caught. Right. Not of all of us do jail time. But we've all blown it. I mean, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are desperately in need of help. We we need someone, something to come our mess and to help us get out of that mess. That's what redemption is. We all need that. There's not a single person who doesn't. I'm, I'm, we're here in a circle of people, and I know and love these people. And I, each of them could share their mess. But even more significantly, a God and a Savior who has brought them out of that mess. Yeah. Right. Wow. Wow. That that is that's powerful. And let me to you all, and let me tell you what it means. Someone like me, that when you live in a world where we're ambitious people in this world. Uh, I'm, I'm personally ambitious, but you have these stomachs. You have these. Um, it's like these little roller coaster bumps, and you know you're going up. Your trajectory is strong, and then you 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 even out, and you're coasting in life. But then all of a sudden, you go down into the trench of the roller coaster, and it takes your breath away. Yeah. But you go back up. That is how that is how inertia works. The inertia goes back up, and so I want to pass the mic around to John, who is with us at our table. So, John, let's let's talk about redemption. Let's talk about you, and you know, what do you want to share tonight? Well, um, okay. First off, uh, my name is John. Um, I recently moved up to the area. About so, um, and I met up with <clears throat> which is now my my friends uh, Joel and Pepper, and they invited me to church, and I kept I was like okay you know I just moved to this area I'm not really familiar so I kept turning them down so eventually you know they kept asking and asking and and uh, I said okay I'll come through so when I first uh, came to uh, Ben Witness Church um, the plant. Uh, they they uh, introduced me to everybody. Then my heart started beating. I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm in front of everybody. Um, so they asked me, you know, uh, about my life, and I told them. And ever since that moment, I realized, man, this is my family. Like, I, I really feel comfortable here. I really feel uh, blessed. So um, after that, it's just been on and off with me and my my job. You know, I work hard. And then me to this men's meeting, and I started going to that. And um, on Wednesday, we had our uh, roof 
Bible study, which is really encouraging because uh, her story is such a great story, like just to see how she was uh, redeemed through everything. So uh, I'm really happy that all this is tying into each other. And then it's funny because I just came back. Um, I've been I've been away from everybody for like a good week and a half, and it's been really stressful in my life. So a little bit about me. Um, I come from uh, PG Maryland, and I have a rocky life. Um, my parents were divorced uh, when I was seven, so it's, it's it's a lot of a lot of messed up times in my life. I was away from my mom, so just me and my dad and my sisters. Um, and I I grew up kind of resentful you know i grew up kind of rebellious because i didn't have that love you know i was looking for i used to try to find it in women and that's what led me down the wrong path um and i had a lot of short you know shortcomings and you know just to hear your story um i I, drinking and driving that was like one of my things when i was young you know i'm 22 now so it's funny saying when i was young um and (laughs) It was crazy is like Ben said, uh a lot of us have really bad, you know, uh memories and, and, and our past is really tainted. Um a lot of people, you know, were caught and weren't caught. Uh I I had uh some really uh life threatening situations driving drunk. So I, it's funny because I recently I'm also a rapper, I just throw that in there. Uh I, I, I recently I recently um was writing a song about you know, a guy loved the world so much and everything, and 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 he used to chase after a lot of the wrong things. And God, you know, God was not in it. So um, that's how it was for me. You know, it was it was I was driving home one night and everything, blasting music, and I just went down to a ditch and I missed the tree and I came right back. And I didn't it didn't realize. I didn't realize what happened to me until the next morning when I like woke up um, and it was like, wow, I almost died that night. Like that's, it was weird. And um, so it's this, all of this, I could say the Lord has really been in my life. I came into this world. Like I grew up in the church, but you know, growing up in the, growing up in the church is not, you know, like you're covered, like you're good. You know, you still have your battles, like, you know, I feel the devil goes after those type of people. So um, I'm just glad that the Lord has me here, and I'm, I'm really encouraged by everybody in this whole um, broadcast and really happy. Wow, that was that was great. Thanks for sharing. So we're, we get down in the trenches sometimes, and we pick ourselves back up, which we have to do it. And that's why we're here tonight. That's why we're doing a story brought to you by Change Montgomery County. And if you want to know more about the organization, check us out on the web at changemoco.org. That's changemoco.org. And we're, if people are listening and we finish the show, it's going to be turned into a podcast. You know, look, if you make a mistake, there's people sitting at this table who've all made mistakes and say that you have a friend that – you may not ever meet us or talk with us, but there are people around you that are going to breathe new hope into your life. and You're going to restore uh, that power and faith. And even if you don't have a higher power or you know, if you worship the same that we do or, or whatnot, but know that there are people out there 
that are going to help you go through life. And you don't have to do this alone. And I want to tell you that I would have never made it where I am today and that taking my life a deep black hole of depression, of sorrow, of sadness. I mean, at one time I just felt sorry for myself. Why am why you know, why can I let myself get like this? But no, no, no. Let, let's let's make sure that we're on the same page that this was me. I made these choices. I made these decisions. This was all on me. Nobody else made me get in a car and have too much to drink and you know, nobody else made me have the situation that I had with my you know, say the things that I did and and do the thing, you know, and carry out the acts that I did um when I was in college in a relationship. You have to take accountability. You have to accept you have to accept that and you have to want to change, and that's the most important part. But you can change, and you can get a little help from your friends. And you know what? You don't. You may not read the Bible, and if you do, there's many, many passages. And I want to ask you, Ben. You know, we have about three minutes left. If you could find a passage in the Bible, if you could pluck one out, you would leave someone with this evening um, that in the similar situation. Their luck, or they're they're moving past a mistake. What is that one passage? That's tough, Brian. First of all, for a preacher to choose one passage, <laughs> but, you don't want to upset all the other no, chapters no, in the Bible. But here's what I would say. I was thinking of two passages, but very briefly. One is when we talk about redemption. There's two things that I think people who need need hope. First of all, God. I in two ways. First, He says, "I am." So God is a God who exists. God is is ever present to help and to come to the aid of one who's in trouble. Okay, so He is the uh, He is existent. Secondly, God identifies Himself in Exodus. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, full of mercy and steadfast love. Now think about that. God identifies himself. And so when we talk about redemption, part of why redemption is so powerful is because it is exactly who, what God, it's the program God has initiated through Jesus Christ, through the Redeemer Jesus Christ. And so we're not just talking about this because, wow, this is warm and fuzzy and makes us feel good. This is God's program. Thanks, Ben. That was great. I, I appreciate the audience. And, you know, look, my name is Ryan Miner. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I have been there. I have made those mistakes that some people will read and some people may still define me, but I want to tell you this, and I want to tell all the people listening that you don't have to be the people that you were yesterday because every new day is an opportunity to get up, put your pants on one leg at a time, walk out the door, and do what you need to do and get by in life, but not just get by, but live for something. Live for a higher purpose, and that's what got me through it. If I didn't have family and my faith and the people who love me, then I don't know I don't know what would have happened. So I'm here to tell you that you are loved. Keep moving. Keep your head up. And there are a lot of organizations out there that if you have made a mistake in life, don't fear. Don't fear. Do not relent. Don't fear. My name is Ryan Miner. You are listening to a minor detail on blogtalkradio.com, brought to you by Change Montgomery County. 
And I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I want to thank my audience. And I want to thank you for listening to my story. There is new hope tomorrow. So use every day and make it count. Good night.